0: Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepickscom play100 and use code PLAY100. That's code PLAY100 at prizepickscom play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to Red Inca, which is part of the 99.94 Network. I'm Jared Kimber. This podcast has adverts, but if you prefer your podcast without, in the show notes you'll see the link to my Patreon page and you can listen to our chats uninterrupted. Patreon also comes with many other benefits as well, including a Discord channel and private chats with me. But now, the show Welcome to Redinger. We're going to do an episode of the year in Sri Lanka cricket because it was a weird year. I'm not sure they ever have non weird years, but this one has piqued my personal interest. And for that, we have Mark Machado from Sri Lanka on 99.94 to have a crossover episode. All right, Mark. So the reason I got you on is recently I was contacted by another pro cricket writer and he was saying to me, I want to follow your career path. He said, but the one thing I don't understand is how you follow all these teams. It's too many teams and you know too much about too many of them. And I was like, well, the the basic way of doing it is I kind of compartmentalize them, right? Of this team I now need to know a lot about because they're getting very bad. Or this team I now need to know a lot about because they're getting very good. This team is good. This team is interesting, whatever. For a long period of time, I would say that Sri Lanka has not particularly (laughs) been on my radar. It's been in the box of very, very bad. And uh, I'll get interested when something happens. I would say that this year they have not been terrible and they have there are signs of a pulse in Sri Lankan cricket that we have not seen for quite some time.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of a, a, a potted history of Sri Lankan cricket over there, Jared. <laughs> it's either really, really good or really, really bad. It was, it's was it been quite bad, if you're going to be honest, since about 2015. And I, th- I think the back end of 2021, we started to see a, a small pulse uh, reappear. A finger was starting to twitch. And now it kind of feels that we are... I don't want to use the word good because we're about to go to tour for India, but um, we're we're somewhere near competitive. We've had, you know, we've had quite a, um, I think it's been, if you're a Sri Lanka fan, it's been an exciting 12 months. Mm. Good
2: is a stretch, right? Um, Yeah. You know, but uh, in the last, in the World Test Championship, you've got a positive record. Uh, Asia Cup obviously came through. And there are players, again, getting picked up in, you know, in the IPL and and things like that. So there is something to talk about, whereas I think if we'd done this last, I think the last time, it might have been before I even had Estelle on the network, I got her on and we did about 18 months of the Omni Shambles, right? Like we've moved on from um, Dick Weller uh, never playing again and then playing uh, quite after that and all that sort of stuff. So things have changed. Um, Let's have a look at the good in test matches. So they won a series against West Indies. and yeah. They won against Bangladesh. I, I would say that, that that was pretty good. And then on the back of that, they drew series against Australia, which I think anyone drawing against Australia at the moment is means that they're playing pretty good cricket. Australia have probably been the form test playing nation until whatever England is doing at the moment. Um, and they also drew at home against Pakistan, which was really, really interesting because I had that penciled in as a victory for Pakistan um, going in that's all pretty good right it's not uh, it's not you know light your panties on fire and run around uh you know a bonfire or anything but there's that's uh, of recent times of Sri Lankan cricket that feels like a really positive uh, what I said about 18 months I suppose
1: yeah it's it's been a good 18 months. weirdly as you were talking through it I was thinking about my emotions going into it I felt we probably were expecting to win that Australia. Um, series only because we had the goal factor, right? Playing mm-hmm. shrunker in goal is it's, it's a very difficult uh, place for, for teams. If you haven't played a lot of cricket there, and we know Australia don't play a huge amount of cricket in shrunker, it's a very difficult place to go on and win a a, a test That So you always feel we're playing that goal within a chance to win it because we're going to pull out spinners from all over the place, mystery spinners, finger spinners, wrist spinners, all types of spin. Um, I'm tr- going to try and, try and get you out and then that Pakistan series going into it I was a bit apprehensive but I probably came away from it thinking probably should have got those wins and, and got higher up that World Test uh, Championship ranking maybe but yeah I think that as a test side I think we are uh, quite fierce at home like I don't think people uh, are coming over to Lanka thinking we're going to be a pitch over I still, I'm still a bit nervous about us playing away from home but I suppose that's how a kind of average if there is such a thing kind of test nation is right pretty all right at home pretty competitive at home and, and and not great away yeah yeah I think that's fair even within that
2: that's not really how it's felt in Sri Lanka for a period of times you know we, we saw pretty ordinary England side um over there for instance you know in the middle of their What worst year? Worst year and a half. So there has been there has been times when Sri Lanka hasn't looked quite as good.
1: I think what we need to talk about because we're kind of skimming around this is that essentially Sri Lanka reset how it does cricket. It it reset probably just after that England series mm. when England came over, I think England were the first team to come over after the, um, pandemic during the pandemic, a lot of the players who played professional cricket and, and any sort of cricket had basically not played cricket. The struggle. They had a really aggressive lockdown. They were petrified of COVID, uh, rightly so petrified of, of COVID rampaging through the Island. And then after that England series in, um, when England came over and also when, when they came over to England in 2021, they, in that kind of in-between time, they had, a, they had a long period of thinking about how, what's going on, what, what, what we're we doing right here, what we're we doing wrong here. And, you know, there's enough cricketing brains on the island and what people associated with shrunken cricket, that Sri Lanka should almost always be able to produce decent players. It was a case of just harnessing those players into a group that in the first instance can become competitive. And I think that's kind of what we've seen uh, definitely with Test cricket in the last 12 months.
2: Yeah, and so for me, I had them down as having the easiest World Test Championship schedule based on opponents and where they were playing them. And so I'm not massively surprised that they did well as well, especially if they did think about it a little bit. So the losses to India were probably predictable but no one was really expecting them to get much out of that series anyway um you go to the odis and this year alone is kind of it's interesting they they beat australia at home but then they drew with afghanistan at home i'm still not sure that there is as much of a odi feeling as there is perhaps a t20 feeling Um, and we can get to why that is perhaps later on but the this is a weirdly unimportant and yet important year of ODI cricket because the World Cup comes up next year. The Afghanistan, I know, is only a one-game loss, um, but they have lost to Af- Afghanistan a couple of times. And if you look at their data, weirdly enough, they don't seem to play spin particularly well in white ball cricket for a country that the, the ball, according to Hawkeye and, and, and Crickfish, the ball spins more in Sri Lanka than anywhere else, and yet Sri Lankan batters against the white spinning ball don't seem to play it
1: that well. It's the kind of great mystery of Sri Lankan cricket at the moment, right? It's like why are we playing spin so badly? Where not only does the ball spin the most, but we've got some incredible spinners, and there's no end of you know. As I already mentioned, there's no end of of, of spinners coming through as well. I think all of the top twenty top wicket takers in, in domestic first class cricket in Sri Lanka were all spinners. There wasn't a single seamer in in the top twenty. So it, it it's absolutely like. If you can solve this problem, um, we'd be on to win. I think we are getting better at it. I, I say maybe that's more optimism than the fact. That Afghanistan series, uh, which only really ended a few weeks ago, we went into it with our kind of regular, I suppose, arrogance, overconfidence, and we lost the first match uh in in much a similar way as we did in the asia cup and we'll talk about that in a bit um and then the second match got rained off and then the third match we started to build resilience that's when i really started to see resilience come through i've been seeing it re-emergence in shrunken cricket in the last 12 months and i think that with this group of players that we've got this group of lads, I think the thing that's going to take us to the next level, that's going to see us win those tighter games in conditions that we consider exotic, is it's 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 all a mental thing. Um, and that's what I think I'm starting to see when I go back to that Australia series as well. That was another, I thought, quite a big moment for Schlunker for this particular side because obviously that, that Australia side, regardless of the fact that. They probably weren't on full strength, but they don't travel to Asia, a huge amount. Um, still, Australia were always going to be favourites for that, when you consider how poor Shrunker cricket's been the last few years. To win it, and to win it as emphatically as we did, to bring through youngsters, um, I'm going to mention Willala Gay, which has almost become a joke on this podcast, if you listen to Shrunker at 99.94, because I'm, absolutely adore this kid. He's he's like 19 and I think he's going to tear it all up. And to top it all off, he went to the wrong school as well. So he went to St. Joseph. So I, I must really rate him if I, if I think he's going to, if he's, uh, he's going to do it. Um, and, you know, he, it, he kind of had a breakthrough over there and he did it. He did the business again against Afghanistan that last match. Um, I think when you look at the players that Shrunker have playing white ball cricket at the moment, they seem to me to be like, they could be much more effective playing, 50 overs opposed to 20 overs. I think in 20 overs our strike rate is still a bit too slow to be <coughs> overly competitive. And I think, you know, some of those players that I've got, I think will grow into it in the next few years. But I think, you know, if, if 2023 is going to be a big year for 50 over cricket, then Shrug potentially have a good bunch of, of, of players who can do something in it. That said, I think we're also going to be going to Zimbabwe in June as well to try and have to qualify for the World Cup. And... Um, let's let let's see how that goes if we can get some momentum behind us if we can show that resilience i talked about then i'm pretty confident we can make it um but what six months that's a huge amount of time for shrunken cricket that that's a that could potentially be three or four captains away
2: yeah and seven coaches um nfl sunday ticket
0: is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town
2: They won a single match of their first T uh, 10 T20s to start the year. They had a tie in there as well, so I'm being a bit naughty there. Uh, lost the first game of the Asia Cup. They then won, what, five on the trot to win the tournament, which included three straight at the end against India and Pakistan. I talked to you not long after that, and I said they had no chance of winning or really making the finals, and you were a lot more optimistic. I think they basically were exactly the team I thought they were, which is... Outside of Namibia, they could beat everyone that they should beat, but they're not really good enough to be consistently threatening against the best teams. Not that they were that far away, but they also it would have been it would have looked a little fluky if they would made the finals, I would have thought.
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. Um I didn't quite realise. It hadn't occurred to me that the record was that bad going into the Asia Cup. I, I think the thing that like I'm really excited about shrunk and white ball cricket, as you can probably tell. maybe that's just my natural optimism anyway, but it, there's so many individual players. We, you know, if, if you could ask me this time last year how many of this team are really world-class players, I probably would have just said Hasaranga and maybe Chimera. And now I think there's, you know, those two, obviously Chimera's got fitness worries. And I also think Dick uh, Shana's kind of, you know, really sees seized, uh, seized the age. probably the most improved player in white ball cricket uh, in, in in, in Sri Lanka in the last 12 months. He also looks like he's going to be playing a lot of franchise cricket and be kind of quite central to what CSK and that whole CSK franchise do around the world in the next few years. And I think there's a couple of batsmen. I think uh, Patan Vesanka and, and uh, Mendes have really kind of seized, seized their opportunities this year. Um, this year, really... Was, it's all about the Asia Cup win, right? Um, that was the high point on it. I come off the back of it, I meet you a few days later, I bump into you and I'm just like, yeah, well, obviously we're going to win it now. They, they, there's nowhere else to go.
2: You were very punchy. I should have recorded that just for this moment so that people knew. Because when I said to you, what are you talking about? There, there's nothing in this record that tells me this team is going to make the top four.
1: So a lot of my kind of thought process was it, was that if we're going into it off this win, and we're just beating, you know, we're beating India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. We're beating everyone in Asia. Uh, we didn't, f- like, we didn't flute the cup. It was, it was, there was some really strong performances in there. I thought maybe there was a good chance that we might be able to get enough wins together and get over the line. I think there was two There was two key factors that outdid us. Firstly, we ran out of bonus. I think at one point mm. I was convinced Chris Silverwood might end up making his debut for Shrunker. And just our batsmen are just so not used to playing on pitches outside of Asia. the Asia Cup win happens because outside of Bangladesh, there is no other team on this planet who played as much cricket in Bangladesh as Sri Lanka, right so they managed to get these um these wins in in that tournament because they're so they're so used to playing in those conditions right and I think the next kind of next this year and the next year, and potentially. A bit of the year after that is all about trying to get our top players out playing on as many different conditions, as many different surfaces as possible, and just building up all that experience uh, on how to, on how to play um, different bowlers and different pitches. I think,
2: being that they were still within a sniff of the semi-finals, which is I think I had I had that as their top level, and that's exactly where they ended up in a tournament where they lost to Namibia. I'm not sure that it's an overall bad situation. We saw their limitations and we saw their strengths. And in one way, the Namibia loss, you almost have to push aside. But if you look at the last two World Cups, they have beaten all the teams that aren't quite as good as them and they have struggled against all the teams that are better than them. That's actually a better place to be than, you know, being, you know, suddenly beating Australia out of nowhere, but then losing to Netherlands and Namibia and all that. Do you know what I mean? they're they're there and thereabouts and and that's probably if if i was coming away from that and as a Sri Lankan you know working with the Sri Lankan team i'd be thinking to myself we know what our level is and it's now up to us if we can get to that you know the next bit so we're in that you know the top six teams bracket
1: so Stan and i talk a lot about how important it is for our players to to end up playing in different franchise tournaments right cricket um and I know this is this is a constant theme in in almost all the content that you create, Jared, Is that cricket's ever evolving? It's going to look very different in five years' time to what it does now in terms of when players play, how they play, who they play with, and and who who their contracts are. I think Sri Lanka is probably going to end up with, or the the challenge in Sri Lankan cricket is how do we keep our how do we create superstar players and yet make sure they're always available when we need them, right? Um, at some point, they'll have to make a decision on, you know, is it more important that someone plays the first-class domestic tournament or goes and plays in, in a tournament in the UAE? I say at some point, they're already starting to make those decisions now. Um, I think we, it's whether Sri Lanka ever have a well-beating side, you know, ever have a well-beaten era ever again like they do, it's actually comes more, it's more down to how the, the administrators and the government to a degree as well, because of the way shrunken Cricket works, are able to manage that process with, with the players. Because we know the the enthusiasm for the game will always be there. We know that we'll always produce talented players. But it, as you said, it's about being able to get the players to the next level. Mm. In the last kind of 18 months, we've seen a team go from the whole, you know, the, the Durham incident to actually being kind of reasonably competitive. They're going to be competitive at home and they're going to probably struggle away. shrunken cricket is never going to play enough games, never going to be able to provide a team that is going to get enough experience in Australia or England that they're going to be able to go away and, you know, be competitive there unless they embrace all the, the, the trappings that future franchise leagues can, can potentially offer them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If, if they can have, you know, five players playing in South Africa, six players playing in the big bash, then they can come back and, you know, they can share that knowledge and that's the way they're going to have to build the next generation. And I think that's, uh, you know, something what, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about truck cricket is because we are seeing players start to go now as well. We're seeing, you know, if we um, go back to the IPL, Paterana makes his debut for CSK before he's on the radar, even uh, off anywhere near the national, national selection, he kind of comes out of left field. It's, um, and it just shows that a, firstly, people who look at these kind of things in, for the franchise teams are looking at domestic and even schoolboy cricket in Sri Lanka, and also rate the players that that they're producing. So it, it, I think it's a it, it it should be an exciting time. But then again, this is Sri Lanka cricket; anything can happen. You know, Angelo Matthews might end up being captain again uh, going into that World Cup. Who knows?
2: Yeah, I think the players in the IPL is really interesting. Also. Last time I did it you know an episode like this on Sri Lankan cricket was was with Estelle, as I was talking about before and at that stage the women weren't playing any cricket right so there are really positive signs there's a couple of negatives too i would say that DDS um Dananjaya de Silva had a regression year after you know looking like the player
1: i've always hyped him up as Kusul Mendes. Can I just stop you there? I think, Jared, you've basically become a shrunken dad to to poor old DDS. I actually think he he finished off quite strongly because he had periods out of the team. I think he averaged under 30 in every format he played this year. He got an incredible century against Pakistan. He averaged 60 the year before, though. What I'm saying
2: is I think he's... He's, he's somewhere between that level, right? He, I don't think he's ever going to average much more than 35 in Test Cricket and maybe, you know, low 30s in, in ODI Cricket and be handy in T20 Cricket. But we did see a couple of years where he was perhaps showing that he could do more than that. So it's a bit of a yeah. regression. Mendis in Test Cricket. Uh, well, well
1: we, we, what we should say is I think for a generation of, of, of cricket, of Shalongan cricketers, this current white ball generation, effectively Test Cricket doesn't really exist for them, right? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna play twenty five tests over the next five years. They're gonna play what twenty five T twenty games, or ODI games in in six or seven months. Yeah, right. So, I I, I do I do think that there's a serious risk of Shrunken just dropping up. Like, there's a generation of Shrunken batsmen, uh, uh Dimuth, and Angelo Matthews, kind of the, the kind of core of them, um, who are kind of holding that that batting together. And I I wonder if once they retire, once they decide that they've had enough, I wonder if will ever actually be competitive again, because essentially the system doesn't let them be. There's no point.
2: Chandamal averaged over 100 this year, didn't he? Matthews was 50. And... I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, is that just because they're generational test players and that's where they've come through? Or, you know, just dumb luck. Uh, in the bowling, test bowling, uh, Jay Seria, um, probably Jay Seria and Asitha Fernando both took a lot of wickets. So that's a spinner and a seamer. Um, so, from there are still players there. One day cricket, you've got Nasanka and Asalanka, both averaging what around fifty in one day cricket, and uh, a bit of a throwback name as well, Jeffrey Van Der Sey. um I'm coming back. There's a lot of names here, and if you go to T20 cricket, obviously the two obvious ones in T20 cricket are you know Atikshana and Asaranga, um, and you can throw Roger Baxa in there as well if you want the third one. Although I think he's maybe a tier behind the other two um, yeah. as far. Uh, you- and the great thing for um, South Africa South – Africa, I said that off air, I think, as well. don't know why I've got South Africa on my We're brain. very g-
1: similar countries in many it, ways. Basically
2: the same place in my head. Yeah. Um, it is I, It's a very good mix, those two, because uh, Tikshana can bowl early on, right? Hasaranga can bowl in the middle, which gives them a flexibility. Hasaranga can bat, right? Gives them a little bit of hitting at the end, which means it's not quite as weak. There's a there are much better teams in Sri Lanka that would absolutely kill to have that. Uh, you know, I think India right now would be looking at that going probably. You know, in in terms of spin quality, that that's you know as good as they would be able to get, especially when you factor in the batting. That's really interesting. Then you've got Kamara, Madushan, uh, uh, and uh, what's the um? I'm missing someone as well. There's uh, a Parath- uh, uh who was the young kid to use, Patarana. Patarana. There's about, I reckon there's about, and not including Shamira. there's probably about, what, four to five in uh, Sri Lankan seamers that you look at and you go, there's something here. Like, there's there's something to work from after a period of where that wasn't the case. And you go back through all the names I've said, you've got a couple of old guys in and Matthews, but a lot of the players I've talked about are, under 32, and some cases even younger than that again. There is a real building of talent coming through. And this is talking about the guys who've had a good year in one format or another. That's not talking about the younger players um, who are coming out of nowhere and everything else. I I can't remember the last time I looked at Sri Lanka and was like, there's a lot of good players in multiple formats that are, are quite handy in the way that we're currently seeing.
1: Yeah, I think there's an element of, I think, success breeds success. So I, th- I think some of the younger players, if you're in that domestic setup, and if you you know, if you're playing cricket in in Colombo, and you're seeing players that were kind of near your level, accelerate and go through. What we'll also start to see is players be pulled up, a, 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 you know, raising their game. Um, if you look at Lahiru Kumara, he he gets injured, I think in May, doesn't play, doesn't uh, barely bowls a ball till. He he has to come back into the side at some point during the T Twenty World Cup, and then his spell against Australia mm. he didn't he didn't get any wickets, but I mean, like he, he for all intents and purposes to me he looked like a Aussie quick, right? He looked like he was born to bowl on that Perth surface, and I can't remember the last time Shronka had at that stage he was what his fourth or fifth choice seamer, a fourth or fifth choice seema who looked mm. so at home on the biggest stages of them all uh playing cricket it's a really exciting time um i think in 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 so many ways i think you know i'm i'm a massive advocate of the lpr i know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek i say it's it's a, it's a great tournament to watch but we're in a uh, in no, wait, third iteration, don't you
2: actually say it's the best tournament in the I world i say
1: it's the best tournament in the world yeah LPL, Champions League, the Premier League, um, those are the three, the only three things in the world worth watching, uh, apart from Middlesex Merit Table 2 in Rugby Union, which is where I play. And yeah, I, I, we're starting to see the impact it's having in wider cricket in Schlenker because it's not just the case of, right, there's maybe 13 or 14 good players. There's probably actually a, a, a about 30 players who deserve to be looked at and be known kind of around the world for their for their cricketing prowess. And I, I'm kind of loathe to say it, but I think that might be testament to the way the game is being run on the island at the moment. And I say that because they are people out there who want to rip everything up and, and say that we're not achieving our potential.
2: Well, I, I would say compared to the last five or six years, then I mean, I'm not saying this is a golden era for Sri Lankan cricket because it's obviously not. But I think there's 15 world-class players off the top of my head over there at the moment. And there's no way I was thinking that a year ago or or a couple of years ago. I thought that as someone who watches the T20 leagues quite closely, I thought that the Sri Lankan league was the the best way of putting it, the the best one to feast on if you were looking for players, because there was a lot of talent there that no one was paying money for. Right. And I think the difference now is that the LPL certainly helped with that, but that the overall, because Sri Lanka are just winning a little bit more and, you know, um, Uh, you know, fighting a little bit more in some of these games. I don't think that's the case anymore, right? That on its own is really interesting. If that comes from good administration, and let's be honest, uh, the um, (laughs) Sri Lanka cricket is not particularly famous for good administration, but if that comes from anything there, I think that's a win. All I would point to is the, the five years previous, you would have to say that they also play a big part in the fact that nothing was happening and you could see players... Uh, playing over there that were of a high quality that just weren't developing but if they are developing now but just to go back to what you said before which i think is really interesting how sri lanka now where basically this ftp is the first ftp where the ipl slash franchise leagues are in charge right it's not that they weren't Already in charge almost before, but now because of what's happening with Major League Cricket and the South African League and the UAE League, you so many IPL owners own so many teams around the world. It'd be really interesting to see what happens directly in Sri Lanka. We know that there's always been a thirf, thirst for cricket in Sri Lanka, although so much of it is through you know posh boy schools, but still it exists. Do they become a feeder team? Do they uh, do they manage to maybe get it together in one? franchise you know one franchise in one format and make it work like what is the next three to five years of Sri Lankan cricket and and, you know I'm not expecting you to answer that question but it's really interesting right because if they can handle it in a similar way to what New Zealand did they can actually end up with some really good international teams and if they handle it in a more of a West Indian way then uh it's back to what we saw a couple years ago
1: I'm going to answer this by asking, why is the administration, why have I dared to say something positive about the administration? And I think the reason is it's because actually the administrators realised, right, there might be a little bit of piddly money kicking about here, but what's down the track? If we get this LPL going, we're suddenly going to have all the all the owners and franchises in India and Pakistan want a, want a piece of this. Just to chip in there, it, yeah. I don't think people
2: understand what – that basically Sri Lanka were playing international cricket, not just T20 cricket, with one hand behind their back by not having a franchise because they couldn't get international coaches in. They couldn't get development. The players weren't as professional. I, I was talking to Sri Lankan players and they were like, there's no point playing T20 in Sri Lanka at the moment. That's how far back they were.
1: Yeah. And they've created the, uh, the LPL. They've got it going. Next year, we're also going to have a T10 tournament and i know there's a whole discussion to be had about that but the whole point is is it's it's effectively trying to open up the you know f- from a very cynical perspective it's because the administrators want to bring the money into the island right um and they, they realize that they've got to kind of to, to a degree get their house in order because even if these billionaires are from india they still you know they, they still follow a proper due diligence process and they still want to have a process in place you know the the kind of older days of doing business are in in that part of the world are starting to kind of fade away to a degree um and and transparency is is kind of you know is what people want right and i i think then we're kind of heading towards a situation where cricket is going to act more like football does in in western europe at which point i think you've got to try and you know you've got to figure out what how does how does this all work for shrunker and i think at that stage shrunk effectively become like a SAF South American country they become like a Uruguay or or an Argentina where their job is try and run a good domestic structure keep enthusiasm within the game but also produce these talents that are going to go all around the world and um, you know make a load of money Uh, raise the profile off the island to a degree and also at some point hopefully come together and win tournaments. I mean, I'm I'm talking to you the the day after Messi won the World Cup, right? And now I'm enthused. I'm like, right, could Hasaranga be our our Messi-like figure? Hopefully I don't have to wait till he's 35 to see another World Cup win. Uh, I, I think, A,
2: that's an incredible way to finish this podcast. But the only other thing I would say is if I was Sri Lanka cricket right now, what I would be doing is is hiring someone whose job it was to get these plays in as many franchises as possible as well, right? And from a young age, get them developing and everything else. I think what happened before was this sort of left and right way of looking at it, which was um, a, if you want to go play franchises, you go play franchises. And occasionally maybe a national coach or a selector would help you because they wanted you to play in something. Whereas I think now – if if I was if if I was working for Sri Lanka, someone who got paid fifty thousand US dollars a year, but made sure that all their best twenty five players were playing in leagues all around the world, that means Sri Lanka doesn't have to play those players as much. And also, there's a reason to play for Sri Lanka. If you've actually got not just an agent, but someone within the cricket board actually getting you gigs, I just think that's a massive um, way for uh, you know for something that Sri Lanka could look at, and they. As far as I'm aware, that job doesn't exist in cricket. But I think in the next five years, I think a few of the smaller boards will have people that do that sort of stuff. And that is, then you have that, then you what you hope for is this sort of the Avengers assemble system, right? That they all go yeah. off and get good. And then they come back and they win you a one day world cup when they weren't favorites or, or, you know, they, you know, I was going to say Belgium, Belgium's probably a, a bad one, but you know what I mean? Like suddenly you look at it and you go, Oh, this Belgium team, all these players have played everywhere. Uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, the Belgium league is not. I don't know if the Belgium league is not very good. I've gone completely. It's not.
1: It's not. It's a really, that's a really good, like, comparison, actually, Jared. Well done.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying you went Hassaranga, and I went, uh, Kevin, De someone De Bruyne, Kevin is a Kevin, isn't he? Yeah, it's Kevin. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like you should be playing cricket for South Africa. But um, uh, thank you very much for coming on my podcast and for coming on your and allowing me on your podcast. And uh, we'll uh, we'll hear more from you soon on Sri Lankan cricket. But um, uh, we'll uh, I think uh, you two are doing very well, and I've enjoyed listening to it. And uh, I, I personally. I like it best when Sri Lanka has lost because, you, because all that optimism that you have gets drained out of you so quickly. And that's the kind of person I am. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, hopefully Sri Lanka never, ever lose again.
2: Thanks for listening to Red Inca on 99.94. For more information about us, go to 99.94dm.com. You can now download us wherever you find your apps just by putting in 99.94. There'll be other cricket podcasts not actually hosted by me and there'll also be some radio commentary coming soon. There is more information on my guests in the show notes. Please support them where you can, but also support us. If you can't help out on Patreon, every single review, share, or word of mouth suggestion to your friend helps us. However, this podcast is made available by the people who support us at Patreon, so thank you to all of those who do. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. Mukunja Benredi is in charge of our video site. Aurajati Senpathi turns the files into video podcasts. And Shibanka Patacharya makes our graphics. Our theme tune is called The Prisoner by the Red Cricket. Podcast Network.